listening to Bearcat Rewind with Matt Tritton and John Coffey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of Bearcat Rewind. It's hard to believe that the football season is over half over, and we are seven weeks in now uh, to Bearcat Rewind, seven episodes. We appreciate everyone for, for tuning in and listening each week. Subscribing and rating allows us to keep bringing you this content uh, each week here throughout the fall. So we've really enjoyed it. We hope you have too. We've got a great one coming up again uh, today. We had Wes Simmons on last week, a two-time national champ and a linebacker for the Bearcats back uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s as well. And we had a lot of fun talking to Wes. Uh, This week, changing things up a little bit, we have Brandon Meisner, a Northwest Missouri State alum and the founder of D2Football.com. And D2Football.com, if you don't know, was created in 1999 and published in 2000. And Brandon kind of tells a story of how it gained traction and popularity over the years. and, And a lot of that does stem back to that championship game in 1999. We'll hear about that coming up. Brandon's the authority on everything NCAA Division II football. He has columnists across the country uh, covering all Division II conferences. Um, And for Northwest Missouri State fans, this is a really good one because it's not just covering 1999 and 2009 and those championship years as we're celebrating those anniversaries, but we kind of become just... uh, fanboys ourselves, Brandon, John, and myself, as we kind of go around the room and kind of, hey, you remember this football game, what happened here? And hey, remember this football game, what happened here? And and you kind of get the the idea of how much of an expert Brandon actually is as we start to talk about certain games. And he's like, well, actually, this is what happened. So uh, it's a lot of fun to kind of go back down memory lane and and hear a lot of uh, just random talk with Brandon Meisner about a lot of different Northwest Missouri State football. So uh, we hope you enjoy this one. We have to give a shout-out to our sponsors, the Northwest Missouri State Alumni Association and the Northwest Foundation. You're invited to celebrate the kickoff of the Forever Green Campaign for Northwest coming up October 24th at 3.30 at the Bell Tower on campus. The Forever Green Campaign is part of an effort to pave new pathways for students to excel. You can become a champion for Northwest and leave your legacy. Help make the vision of the Forever Green Campaign a reality for students who will come to know that nothing compares to being Forever Green. So come out to celebrate the campaign kickoff. Once again, that's October 24th at the Bell Tower. Another sponsor we have to give a shout-out to, Mosaic Medical Center in Maryville for their support. If a sports injury sidelines you from your favorite activity, don't worry. You have a team of experts ready to help. From sprains and strains to breaks and more serious injuries, our orthopedic and sports medicine professionals in St. Joseph, Maryville, and Albany have the skill and experience to get you back in the game as fast as possible. Mosaic Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, we're all in to get you back in. Now let's go ahead and dive into our podcast this week with D2Football.com creator Brandon Meisner. Pleased to be joined this week on Bearcat Rewind by the founder of D2Football.com and a, and a man that's become a Division II football historian in Brandon Meisner. So, uh, Brandon, we appreciate your time. And you know, it's fun for John and I to, to go back and talk with former Northwest Missouri State players and coaches. And we usually zero in on, uh, on one specific time frame, one specific game. But it's kind of fun to, to shift it now and talk with yourself, uh, a Bearcat, but a guy that also really kind of has a full grasp on Division Two football throughout the country. So um, I'm sure that's been a bit of a process, but it, it's great to have you on it and be able to talk with you about a little bit of everything. Well, thanks, Matt. And uh, yes, it has been a process. It's, it's just like anything, you know, as you mature in life, you realize how ignorant you were at one point and how little you actually knew about anything. And then, you know... Hopefully, if I live 30 years longer, I'll think the same thing then because uh, that's just a that's just a process of getting older. But yes, 
it's amazing how much bigger a grasp I have on it. There is one disappointing thing, and it's something I talked to somebody about this week. When it first started, it there was an innocence to it. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I had to learn a lot of stuff, and I hadn't been to a lot of places. Now I've been almost everywhere, and now I know almost, you know, everything about all these places. And so there's not as much mystery as there was at the beginning. But uh, having said that, there's probably less mystery in the world. I think we all know more about everything uh, with the, the rise of, of the information age. And quite frankly, uh, what we do wouldn't exist without that, you know, without the Internet and without the knowledge that we all have, uh, you know, D2Football.com wouldn't exist. You know, ESPN's not just going to suddenly start a D2Football uh, show or channel or whatever. So it's been gr- uh, the Internet itself has been great for Division Two. Uh, great for me and, and great for, for uh, all of us, really. You know, uh, Brandon, I think uh, you're responsible for, for a large part of uh, really bringing the D2 community together. You kind of got this going at a time where uh, there's some information out there, but it was all fragmented. But you were able to bring everything into one site, and I think it really has played a large role in making D2 football what it is uh, right now as far as recognition around the country. Right. You know, John, I've talked to you about this before. Um, I had always had, you know, my first goal was, was to make it, and what I'm talking about in Division Two, to make it seem important to those who played it and saw it in school. You know, so I, I'm, you know, my goal was starting actually to make an impact on, uh, you know, I started it in 2000. So kids that were in school then, so that they would feel like it was a big deal when they graduated. They would instead of going to Iowa games, they would still go to Northwest games or Pitt State games. It didn't matter, you know, Missouri Western games. Whoever, it, it didn't matter, you know, keep going to the games of your alma mater rather than reverting back to the, uh, uh, you know, the games you might have gone to before. Uh, so, yes, uh, you know, and, and then the, the second part of that is that uh, my other goal was to try to nationalize it. Um, you know, up until that point, it was very regional. You know, Ken White used to be do the PA Northwest. He was my advisor and a great, great guy. You know, one time I was in school, so this had been maybe been about 94, 95, whatever. It, it's irrelevant. It was early 90s. And, and I was talking about how tough I thought the MIAA was. And he goes, well, you know, I don't know if it's as tough as the PSAC, one of the, you know, the toughest in the country. And it comes to find out it was two guys who didn't know what they were talking about at all because the MIAA wasn't that good at all. It was only Pittsburgh State. They were the only ones that had ever won a playoff game. And the PSAC, while good in the region nationally, hasn't been very relevant since IUP was uh, nationally relevant in, uh, maybe in the early 90s, you know. And so it was funny, you know, what I did now and what, you know, one of the things I tried to do was overcome that regional bias so that people understood more where they fit into the grand scheme of things and simply, you know, knew more about everybody else. When In 98, when Northwest played Texas A&M Kingsville, None, nobody had ever seen them. This is before I started the site. You know, I had no clue about them. And, you know, knew some of the players in the NFL. That was about it. But now we know much more about everybody else. And uh, if, if we don't know that, we know where to go to find it. Well, so Brandon, we spoke earlier in the week and uh, about getting you on here on Bearcat Rewind. And, and what we've been doing this year is kind of uh, going back 20 years to the 99 championship game, 10 years to the 09 championship game. But when we were talking at first, you kind of mentioned that D2Football.com, it kind of um, 
kind of was birthed out of that 99 championship game? There's a, there's a tie in there. Can you, can you give us that background story of, of how the website came about and then got to where it is now? Well, it was, you know, that game was initially part of not the navigation, but it was one of the features of the website. A local guy named Greg Hall had written a story about the championship game because it was so it was wonderful you know i mean everybody uh every northwest fan thinks it's the greatest thing that ever happened and as they should and that was i, I actually had that on the site and it was like and i greg derhushak at the time was writing a national column for usa today but i think they might have been thinking about really discontinuing uh what they were going to do and so uh, i had another friend that i'd met online named jeff Witten. Uh, he was from North Alabama, from Florence, and he had uh, built websites for a living. And I mocked one up, like on Microsoft Paint or something. You know, it was something crazy rudimentary at the time. And I sent it to him, and he said, let's build it. So we started as a joke, and it grew very fast. But what? But going referring back to the Northwest game, the 99 championship game, we talked about how that was the greatest game ever. And one of the things that when we discussed, because Greg was part of getting the, the website off the ground, was called, like, you know, our tagline to be something like home of uh, college football's greatest game. And, uh, you know, like, that, that was one of the things. So, in a way, I don't know, and, and maybe we would have, but I think that that game kind of spurred us all, gave us some energy to create the website thinking we had built some momentum knowing how many people had seen the game because I believe it was five million people I think had tuned in to see the game at some point during the game. And we knew we had some momentum and and, and it was really kind of maybe the, the little spark that lit that fire to get it all started. You know, that game was important for Northwest Missouri State, we think really kind of to solidify what Mel was building in, in into a dynasty after going fifteen and oh the year before. Um but it was really huge for Division Two football overall just to get that many eyes on it, wasn't it, to kind of show that, you know, this isn't really a joke. I mean, it's it's got a lot of great athletes coming out there putting um, putting up some really impressive performances. Sure. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. You know, but Division Two is always going to face a perception problem that it's it just, just it's always going to have a perception problem because it's not the BCS. And I tell people this. You're either the BCS and, or you aren't. You know what, and, and below that, it, it it really doesn't matter because the general casual fan is going to be most likely a D one fan because they're exposed to it more. Bigger schools, bigger enrollments, more bigger alumni, more alumni. It's just 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 the way it's going to be. But yes, you know, you look at the NFL every year. There are fifty to seventy Division two players um, on NFL rosters. You know, and there are many more that. Uh, that had that opportunity to make a roster didn't quite do it. Do it, but if you extrapolate that back to college, if they're marginal NFL players, those were certainly players that were capable of playing in Division One and playing at a high level. And uh, you know, obviously, you know, we, we've come to you know with the advent of the internet and you know what D two football does. You know, we know more of those. But yes, uh, you know, there are always going to be perception problems. But what I tell people is this. If you only want to watch the, you know, the, the highest level of awesome football, why do you even watch college? Why don't you just watch the Patriots every week or maybe even the Chiefs now? But you get the idea that these same people who would, might be critical of Division II uh, were watching high school games, which, you know, if they're watching a high school game, maybe one or in a big metro area, I live in Kansas City, 
you know, in one game at most, maybe three players are going D1, and then maybe five to seven at best might be going Division Two. So it's it's certainly a higher level than what they're used to watching on Friday. It's it's just a, a uh, you know the the perception that they're gonna ha- it's gonna have to be fought every time. But you know it's certainly a level that I find enjoyable, and it's certainly a level level that uh, has great athletes, that has great uh, quality of play, execution. Uh, having said that, it also mixes with the charm of not taking three hours to get out of uh, Auburn, Alabama after a football game. You know, if you go to a Northwest game or even a, a game in Pittsburgh or wherever, it doesn't take you three hours to get out of town. You know, you can, you know, meet on the field, talk to the players and leave. And the convenience and the cost is, is you know, one of the charming things about it. And, but, yes, to go back to your answer, there, it is a great, uh, you know, a great level of play. Certainly, certainly enough to satisfy my needs as a football fan. And really, when you look at the game day atmosphere, of course, the Northwest campus is known for the great atmosphere. It has Pittsburgh State's campus. There are just a lot of great campuses that do it right, as far as uh, uh, the everything surrounding the game as well. To where you still get that great atmosphere, maybe on a little bit of a smaller level, but uh, still a great game day atmosphere for college football. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And just like everything, John, you know, there's there's not a perfect, uh, you know, sequence of schools, talent, abilities, and even, you know, and even fan base in this instance. And what I mean by that is it's not like one through, you know, the best teams in college football aren't the, the 119 or whatever BCS teams. And then the next are the hundred and whatever FCS teams, and then the next, um, you know, hundred and seventy are the D two teams. It doesn't work like that. You know, there's overlap between all the divisions as far as the quality of football team, the quality of programs, and that also goes for the fan base and the um, the show that's put on, or however you want to look at it. Um, you go to Grand Valley, and yes, it is on a smaller scale, but they tailgate Pittsburgh, Kansas tailgates as good as anybody in the country on their scale, you know, and their fan bases are as adamant as anybody in the country on their scale. Um, having said that, there's some great things, especially, uh, you know, because you guys are based in the MIAA. I have a columnist, Chuck Bittner, who's graduate of PSAC. Um, he writes for the South Atlantic Conference, which is like uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, in that area. And so he has kind of that perception of, of college football. When he comes, he always wants to tour all the MIAA stadiums and stuff because he says these stadiums, these facilities, if they were out east, would be what the FCS is. And so the, the perception and the uh, and all of that is really locally based. Uh, the MIAA, Northwest Pitt, you know, whoever, Western, they have great things going because they care about it and treat it like it's important. You're lucky to live in, in an area that does that. And, uh, you know, that's obviously one of the things that I wanted to work on in Division Two is having people care enough to, to go back and to tailgate and then watch the Shadron State game afterwards. You know, too, along those lines, if you look at what's changed in the last 20 years since that 99 game, I think facilities is also an area that we've seen an incredible upgrade at the Division Two level where it's almost an arms race to get an indoor facility to go along with upgrades to the football field as well around Division Two football to where there, there's some great facilities as well. Oh, there's no doubt about that. You know, I always make the joke that a lot of these MIAA schools for football really don't need that facility. 
you know, but it's like, it's like having a, a nice car in high school is easier to get a date or something like that. You know, they almost they are spending $20 million just to get recruits. Um, and you're, you're absolutely 100% correct that there's a huge facilities race. Um, it doesn't exist everywhere, but it does exist. And, uh, you know, Grand Valley has an indoor facility and a, a beautiful stadium. Uh, Northwest, you know, almost the entire MIAA has some kind of, of indoor secondary workout facility with a great – stadium and uh you know csu pueblo working out that way has, has some nice stuff you know they're kind of they're a school a program that started after i started d2football.com um and so they really jumped to the top of the rmac even winning a championship in 2014 because they tried to do facility wise what people around this area have done yeah you know, brandon uh, you look back and you kind of think about uh where Northwest has come uh, so far over the years in the conference as a whole, but um, you know, from '94 not winning a game and Coach uh, Churchman really kind of stripping the program down and building it into to what it is today. You look back at '99 and how that kind of solidified the program and and really showed the Bearcats were going to be a national contender throughout. You've seen hundreds of football games over the years. When you look back and see the highlights, or you think back to certain moments of that football game, does it still kind of get to the point where? it's hard to wrap your mind around what actually happened in that fourth quarter. Yes. And you know, yes. Uh, it was, it was, it, the players obviously believed they were going to win. I have a, a friend, Charlie Pugh, that played on the team. He, you know, he got early hurt early in the game, but he said he never doubted they were going to win. And that's a tremendous faith to have, you know, obviously I didn't have that. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jeff Harlan used to write for me. You know, he, he always made a joke that he just said in the middle of the game, he said a prayer and said, Lord, don't let my team get embarrassed on national TV, you know. So to go from the fact that you just didn't want to get embarrassed to the point that you had a chance to win the game and then I actually did win the game, uh, you know, was an incredible turnaround. Um, in 2005, when Northwest and Grand Valley played in the championship, Bob Evelyn had written something. And it may, you know, at the time, it didn't hit me like it has since then, but he said, there's a difference between a good comeback and a, and, a, and a good football game. And he was talking about how the 2005 game between Northwest and Grand Valley was a great football game because it was close the whole time. You know, both teams were doing things, offensively, defensively, special teams, et cetera. But, you know, to the average fan, that Northwest game versus Carson Newman in 99 might not have been that entertaining until they watched the final you know, 10 minutes of the game, the final five minutes of the game, and then the overtimes. And that's what made it a classic. And so, yes, it's hard to, to you know, get your arms around what happened and the events that had to take place to even make the comeback possible. When you look at that football team up and down and, you know, they graduate Chris Grice in the year before and, and Travis Miles steps in, but still playmakers all over the field. And, you know, another theme that we have, throughout is we're talking about the the 09 football team where it's mm -hmm. you know Blake Bowles a first year starting quarterback he's got uh uh weapons all over the field there there's uh great players all over the field defensively for Northwest there in that 09 um, you know Miles Burnside's an all-American um y if you look at the two teams combined uh <clears throat> 10 years apart and and now looking at it from this vantage point mm -hmm. if you put them side by side who's winning that football game if you're putting 09 against 99 Oh man, you know that's really tough. Um, you know that that is a real tough one because 
of a number of factors. Uh, the, you know, the game itself has changed. Um, you know, the rules have changed. Uh, you know, uh, my uh, friend Rod Barr and I were having a conversation on the way to a game last week. And we're talking about how artificial turf has just impacted the game. And, you know, it's made it faster. And, you know, possession of the ball is actually sometimes more important than field position now. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to wimp out of it. Um, I think probably the um, – and this is what I've thought historically, is that the older offensive lines were better, uh, meaning like in, in – uh, 98, when you have, you know, uh, Erpelding, you have Coppinger at center. Erpelding was the left tackle. Uh, Chad Thompson, Jay Eilers is the right tackle. Sherman Wilderness is the right guard. Uh, you know, that team was, uh, you know, very, very talented on the offensive line. I think the old offensive lines were better. The new defensive lines might have been better. But I think the new skill players, um, more refined and better shape. So if I had to pick one, I'd actually pick the 9 team uh, among those two teams uh, if they were to play. You know, that was you know, if I was forced to make an you know give an answer, but it's just a, it's a very hard comparison to make because of even in that ten years, the different style of football and you know as you see to you know ten years from '09 to this year, you know football's played even a lot more differently now. So you know I hate to. Went my way out of it, but uh, you know, if I had to, I'd pick 09, But it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer. You know, though, Brendan, I think there's one thing that's very similar between those teams and even uh, the uh, uh, 2019 team. It's just uh, when uh, the chips are down, it just seems like uh, there's been just from the very start, uh, there's a, a just a the way the coaching staff goes about things, that this team expects to win, even when uh, things uh, go against them a little bit. And I think that's one characteristic of Bearcat football we've seen it through all the years. I think you're right. Uh, I will, I will uh, you know, say this caveat, though, John, that 2019 had the monkey on its back of all those championship teams they had lost previously. And so I think that they, there was always that doubt, a little bit of doubt creeping in their minds maybe. Um, you know, I, I think in that, nine, that 09 championship game, if the officials didn't make that horrible call on the, on the council fumble, and Northwest had punched it in, they would have blown out Grand Valley in that game. But after that horrible call on the, on the fumble near the end zone, uh, gave Grand Valley enough of a life and put enough doubt in the minds of, of the Northwest players and maybe even the coaching staff, you know, that uh, it allowed Grand Valley, who was an inferior team to Northwest that year, to come back. Um, you know, even after the, the five, six, seven, and eight championship defeats, the one thing I found was different about that 09 team is probably why I might have picked it against the 99 team was I thought they had the players to make plays. You know, I thought, you know, uh, Bowles was going to make a play or Soy would make a play. I thought they had the offensive players for the first time in that, especially in that five-year period, to overcome any kind of issues that they might have had. But, yes, you know, I think over the years, the belief that, you're gonna, that the team was going to win uh, was huge. I think Mel Churchman was big on that. Joe Glab tells me a story from 2001. Uh, you know, Northwest was playing at Pitt State, and Pitt State's up big, and Northwest gets a gets a, a touchdown to cut it to seven, maybe, and then Pitt State goes back and kicks a field goal. So Mel Churchman says, "Hey, that's no big deal. We're just going to win uh, by four instead of seven. 
you know, something like that. And I think it really, a lot of that had to do with Mel Churchma. And I know you had Wes Simmons on before talking about 3D coaching. But, you know, that works, and it started at the top, and I think Mel was highly responsible for that belief that they were always going to win, which, uh, you know, you know, in spite of what I said about those four championship games, happened time and time again. You know, on, on my message board on, on, on the website, people are talking about your program's uh, best win or your favorite game ever. And I don't typically respond to stuff like that because, you know, obviously, every, well, a lot of people know I went to Northwest, but there's still, you know, I, you have to be more of a neutral observer when you're running that website. But so other people have this single game, and literally, you know, at, at the Northwest alum part of me could have listed easily 25 games off the top of my head without even thinking that had some kind of, you know, great outcome in spite of the fact you didn't think it was going to work out that way, you know. Uh, and so, yes, it has been an incredible ride, and yes, they – you know, they always thought they could win. I think they still do to this day. You know, uh, Brandon, too, one game that I think kind of gets overlooked through the history of Bearcat football that uh, to me stands out is the, the game that really turned the program around was in 96, the playoff game at Nebraska-Omaha. I think that was the game where, in my mind, uh, the, 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 it was just kind of a coming-out party for Bearcat football where they just kind of arrived. They won their first uh, playoff game right. in 96 there and uh, just really never looked back from that game. Right, and you know it. it you know, I there's there. Somebody used to own a shirt that said Bearcat Magic, and there's something to that. And that was probably the first instance of it, because you know they had you know they needed to score on third down. Teal, I think it was in goal. You know, it might have been like third and goal. Teal drops back to pass and slips on the turf there at Omaha in the ice. So it's fourth and goal. Basically, you either score a touchdown or you lose the game. And they were extremely calm and lining up to run the last play. And then, obviously, they get uh, kind of a one-handed bobbling catch by uh, Haynes on the, uh, you know, the, the, the sideline opposite the press box, as you saw it. And that was the first instance of, of Bearcat magic. And then, uh, you know, that would have been 96. 97, I don't know if they saw it. And the 98 team was so good, it just kind of dominated everybody. Maybe you got a little bit of magic in 98 whenever uh, Charlie Q ran the kickoff back against Pitt in that game. But, yes, there was, a, uh, you know, I, I think that that definitely was the the first step anyway. You know, you got to win the first one before you can win the second one. So, uh, and, and, yes, people do forget it uh, because that's a long time ago by now, John. You know, it kind of shows that you and I have been around for quite a while. That, that's true, too. A long, long time. <laughs> So I have to take a scope of looking at things that are a little more recent than, than that and, and not taking a shot at you guys for being so that's old. Okay. But uh, one that that's overlooked in my mind because it didn't end up in a, a championship game more recently, but you go back to, to 2010 in Kingsville, and it's a tough physical football game, and Northwest was trailing that entire football game. And yep. I feel like Jake Soy and Josh Baker were getting beat up, but Blake Bowles kept going back to him because they kept fighting and getting open. And they took the lead with what? Two, two seconds left in that football game. And oh, maybe, it, uh, maybe it was like 30 or something. Yeah. It was, maybe it was, it was a little bit. It was, it, was it was very near the end of the football game, and, right. and they went on the road and took that one away from a very good uh, Kingsville football team. And, and, of course, the next week, just in a ridiculous environment uh, in Duluth, where it was, um, you know, so dang cold. But, I mean, that's, that's an incredible playoff win on the road, one that's uh, – 
you know, happens time and time again for Northwest Missouri State. Maybe you shouldn't win this football game, but you're going to go yeah. ahead and do it anyway. Exactly. Um, you know, it's funny. Um, I had some friends, you know, I've met a lot of people all over the country. And when we started the website, uh, Kingsville was really, really good. So they, they had a really, really adamant fan base. So I was talking to some of them after the game, and Scott Boswick comes up to me, you know, and he, and he just goes, we had them all the way. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, Scott, please, please don't do this in front of these people. You know, th- those people have, you know, been yearning for success, and their hearts just got ripped out. And, you know, he didn't know. And the, But it was, just, it was just funny. You know, I always think, yeah, had them all the way. And uh, But, you know, um, yes, in 2008 at Abilene Christian was the same way. Very talented team that Northwest – didn't have much business beating, but they did. And there's always things like that happen that way, you know. Even recently under under Doral, uh, you know, whenever uh, people get hurt against Ferris State and, you know, they make it to the championship game with Randy Schmidt running the quarter. You know, I mean, that there that's, you know, I go back to those greatest games thing. If it's any other program, or mo- not, not that that's probably too broad, but if it's most other programs, that might be the greatest game they ever had, but those things have happened so often to the Northwest fan base. You know, they've become so lucky and so, ex, you know, that their expectations are through the roof because of the magic that's happened in the past. Well, and, I, and I hate to just keep going back and say, hey, remember this game, remember that game. No, do it. <laughs> but, man, and, and this one's so foggy, and I need to look it up again. Um, but I was, I was a student, and it was, what was it, the 08 playoffs against Pittsburgh State? Did Northwest lead that entire game, and Pittsburgh took a late lead? And that's, Joel Os- that's correct. And Joel Osborne shook off a sack. Like, a dude drilled him in the back. He shook it and threw a touchdown pass to Nick Rose. Do you remember that? Well, that, it wasn't the exact sequence. He got a first down on the <laughs> You know, it's so foggy. And I think that, that's why you go to D2Football.com, because this guy is yeah. the historian. Yeah. He got a first down, I believe, on that fourth down play. And it might have been to Nick Rose, but I believe – the touchdown was to one of the smaller wide receivers. Was Kendall Wright still on the team? I think so. Or, anyway, it might have been Tyler. Sh- anyway, and I could be wrong about that, and you could be right, Matt. But, yes, that, that did happen. Because It's funny you say that because um, one of the years before, like uh, 05, Northwest had gotten pounded at Arrowhead by, uh, by Pitt State and had gone and won in the playoffs at Pitt State. And David Boyce was saying, this is going to happen just like that. You know, Pitt State's going to win the game. So he was almost prophetic uh, in that, on that day. But uh, in the end, you know, Osborne made one play and, and kept the season alive. And, yes, they made it all the way to the championship once again. Well, I, I hate to, to hammer David Boyce, but he also said uh, in 17, I don't think this basketball team's going to be able to win a champion or win a game here in the Elite Eight. And well, that one worked and, out okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and to be completely fair, David Boyce has said this team is going to win the championship and this team is going to lose every game within the span of the same game. So, <laughs> he just likes to get a rise out of people. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he's an awesome guy. But, yeah, yeah you know, that, that's just David. You know, speaking of one of those other miraculous games, and this would have happened in 2010, the win at Central Missouri where Todd Adolph, who hadn't been having a very uh, good year kicking the football, even the previous year in '09 hadn't had a good year kicking the football, made that field goal as time expired, you know, as basically a fire drill to get the field goal ready. And you know, how, that's another one of those games where 
I was standing on the uh, central sideline watching that game, and I was talking to a former Missouri Western player, and I said, well, it looks like, you know, the Mules got this one, and, and uh, it was Scorpio Horn, who was Willie's brother, Willie Horn's brother, and he said, nah, as long as Mel Churchman's over there, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have a chance, they're probably going to win, and, you know, he was, he was right, you know. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going to talk about earlier when you were mentioning, you know, uh, the game, you know, I hate to keep bringing up another game, you said, but there have been so many, it's hard not to. And how they got on the field to kick a field goal there at, before time expired. I mean, that a fire drill is the right way to put it. They were running around <laughs> yeah. with their hair on fire. It, 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 was, it was insane. Then they had to flip. I believe they had to flip the block coverage because the wing was on the wrong side. And he even <laughs> had to go to the other side. So. All I remember is Warrenberg saying he was watching the clock, and when it got to Warren, he was going to snap it no matter what. <laughs> well, with all that said, Brandon, what do you think is yeah. the greatest game in Northwest history? <laughs> that that's impossible. I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, obviously, people would say the '99 game, uh, but I just, man, I just, there have been so many. Um, that '08 game at Abilene Christian was pretty remarkable. Like that was a heck of a win, and you know, nothing miraculous came of it except for a long first down on like third and 23 on a screen pass to Laurent council. I think John will remember that one. And, uh, you know, I just, that was a game that, man, they just, they were just not as good as that other team, but they just kept fighting and, and, and they won. But, you know, I, you know, the comeback always in 99 always, you know, hits you, uh, because it looks, you know, it looks so bad. And then to come back into, you know, uh, you know, in that game, you think you're going to lose in, in regulation, and then Carson Newman fumbles in the first overtime, and you think you're going to win after that, and Purnell misses, and you're like, oh, and then, uh, you know, the, the next overtime, uh, you know, Carson Newman has a chance to win it, and then they pull a field goal wide left, and then you start the, the, the third overtime. Both teams get the extra or get the uh, touchdown and com- convert the, the two-point conversion, and then, you know, in the fourth overtime, you know, when Northwest got they, – they scored, but then they got stopped on the PAT, and you're like, oh, this might be it. Then when it got the fourth and five, uh, Carson Newman had the ball fourth and five, and they ran the beer left and picked it up. You know, that was very frustrating because you had a chance to win the game there. And then the elation, obviously, of winning the game on the next play uh, on the fumble, and I think Greg Bonnet was the one who recovered it. And, uh, you know, I'd probably have to say that one. But, you know, to, if you were making a list, it would be incredibly hard to rank them all and to, to put them into some, you know, some order because there are reasons to move them around, uh, you know, in any order because they, there have been so many great games. Also, Brandon, a lot of people uh, ask me about what team do, do you feel like was the best uh, Bearcat team through the years. And obviously the national championship teams have to stand out. But I think one year that uh, team that kind of gets overlooked is that 2000 team. They had an awful lot of talent on that team and just didn't quite be able to make it all the way there. But uh, that was uh, when you look at position by position, that was a heck of a talented team in 2000. I knew you were going to say that. There was no doubt. That's by far the most disappointing Bearcat team ever that, you know, I can remember. Um, the problem, I don't know if the MIAA was that good that year, but they were just killing everybody. You know, Travis Miles had set a record in that season for like uh, consecutive uh, completions in a game. I think he had 23 or 25, and he set a record for completion percentage, something like that against Washburn. 
and they were just killing everybody. You know, unfortunately, they had to face a great team in the first round, and I think you know uh, some coaches uh, would admit that they might have done something they shouldn't have done schematic. Um, and I think if they'd have got past North Dakota State, they would have rolled to the national championship um, that year. So I totally agree. You know, you you look at that year, they still had Tony Miles on there, and and you still have Comers at tight end and. Uh, J.R. Hill is still on there. Uh, you know, it, it, it was it really – Travis Miles is your quarterback. Uh, really, really, really good football team. And uh, probably the, the most disappointing one, I think those guys uh, who were on that team are still heartbroken about it to this day. So I totally agree with you that that's a team that gets overlooked because it didn't even win the playoff game. But it might have been – one of, you know, it certainly was one of the best teams in Bearcat history. I just often wonder, too, they were blowing out teams throughout the regular season by such a large margin that he uh, pulled the starters a lot of times early in the third quarter where they didn't play a full game a lot of the time just because of that. And then you get into the playoffs and all of a sudden you've got to strap her on at that particular point. I just wonder how much of a factor that was in that. I don't know. You know, that's always the debate, you know, keeping them healthy, but versus getting them the reps they need in the playoffs. And that, I go back to that comment I made about the MIAA. I, I didn't know how good it was that year, you know, because they were never challenged. You know, it was just, I think you know, Pitt State, there was, that was a good game. Uh, Pitt State actually could have beaten them. Yeah, the game was at, at home in Maryville. If you remember, that was the game, and I don't know if you remember this play, John, but uh, Northwest needed to stop late in the game. And Brian Williams dove over the center to make a stop, but they called offsides on him. Northwest ended up making a stop, and they ended up scoring um, with about 30 seconds left uh, to win the game on a, on a pass to Ryan George, who had also caught a uh, two-point conversion out of the game. Now, funny, a funny comment about that. Uh, one of the, uh, a broadcaster, a student broadcaster for Pitt State, he had, George caught that two-point conversion to tie the game and uh, late in the game, and he said that's the biggest two-point conversion of his life. <laughs> Obviously, if you go back just nine months, it might not have been the biggest two-point conversion of his life. But, uh, again, that's where things like D2Football.com and the Internet come in that more people know now, uh, you know, to make comparisons and, and, have, and make comments like that. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that was funny. But, yeah, that 2000 team was, was tremendous. Now, I do have to circle back around. We spoke about the 99 and 09 teams and comparing them just a little bit. You mentioned the skill guys in the 09 team. Now, mm-hmm. we had Tony Miles on. i got to come to Tony's defense because 99 did have Tony and Ryan George and Seneca yep. Holmes and J.R. Hill, who all were fantastic yep. against Carson Newman in that championship. So and, they, and they were great. And he and put them on turf. Who knows? Well, well, and Seneca Holmes transferred from Fort Lewis. And he was like a Harlan Hill might, might not have been a finalist, but he was a, he was a Harlan Hill contender as a receiver at Fort Lewis, and then transferred to Northwest. And he he was a great player. So yes, I mean that's the one thing I think you know, like you know the the ninety uh, or the O nineteen at wide receiver had Soy, who had that great year, obviously. And it you know Nick Rhodes was good. Uh, uh, Kilgore was tight end. He was he was he was good, if I remember right. And obviously, Bowles had a great year in council, uh, was a great running back that year, you know. So, yes, I think you're right to come to the defense. And obviously, you know, I, I don't, I'm not like a big sports collectible guy, but one of the few things I have is a plate of 
the football cards from Canada that made Tony Miles football cards. So I obviously have a lot of respect for Tony. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they were great. So, yeah, you're probably right to stick up for him. But, I, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I, I just don't know who would win my game. <laughs> I just like to prod you a little bit, Brandon. <laughs> well, that's okay. Somebody needs to. <laughs> Oh, well, hey, we've had a lot of fun, and we've kept you for a, a long time here no, today. No, so no problem at all. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and let you go. But, again, we appreciate everything you do for, uh, for Northwest Missouri State and NCAA Division II football. So if you want to read, Brandon, check out uh, D2Football.com. We appreciate your time, sir. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to Brandon Meisner, founder of D2Football.com, for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind, going over some uh, great games in Northwest Missouri State history and so many others we didn't have a chance to, to touch on today. We want to give a shout-out as well to Alex Kurt for producing the intro and outro music and Austin Hall for engineering the podcast. Don't forget about our sponsors, the Northwest Missouri State Alumni Association and the Northwest Foundation, kicking off the Forever Green campaign October 24th at 3.30 at the Bell Tower on campus. And thanks to Mosaic Medical Center Maryville for their support. For John Coffey, I'm Matt Tritton. Thanks for tuning in.